0: We're gonna be um, in Isaiah, chapter 35. We're continuing our series about promises, about God's promises to us, and particularly in and through Jesus. This week is a little bit of a continuation of last week. We talked about the promise of restoration, um, and it's hard to talk about restoration without talking about heaven and eternity, all right? So we're gonna hear from Isaiah, and then we're gonna hear from, uh, from Mother Mary, and then we're gonna talk about heaven and eternity. Here we go. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom like Krakos. It will burst into the bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame leap like a deer and the, mute tongue shall, and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the deserts. The burning sand will become like a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there and it will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast, but they will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Now close your eyes with me and hear this from Mary. It's a song. It's called the Magnificat. It's not going to be on the screen, so I'm just going to read it to you. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say... Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You know, I did something this week that I've never done before. Uh, when it was for writing my sermon purposes. I, I've never, um, I, I did a little crowdsourcing to give me some help. Because I I don't know if you, I've never been to heaven. I don't know if maybe somebody in here has. I know that there are people who have had that experience, who claim to have had that experience, but I've never had that experience myself. And I actually don't even really think about heaven a whole lot. It's not that I don't think it's important, I do. I just figure when I get there, I'm gonna have eternity to think about it. And so it's not something that I find myself dwelling on too much in the here and now. And so in our staff meeting this past Thursday, I I read these scripture lessons, and, and the psalm you heard read earlier during... Our, uh, our, Ando, uh, our advent candle lighting, and I asked our staff, you know, what, what images come to your mind when you think of heaven or eternity? What beliefs do you hold? What things have you been taught about the everlasting? Someone said they thought that there would be a, a review of our lives where we would be able to see all the things that we'd done in life, both the good and the bad. Somebody else said that they imagined it would be a place that just feels like the ultimate version of home, a place that feels like the most right place to be. Another member of our staff said that they thought it was a place where God's kingdom reigns and everything is good. And so one other person said that they thought heaven is simply just being in the presence of God and that there'll be nothing better to do than to be with God. If I were to go around this room, I bet we all have opinions about heaven and eternity. Maybe they're the same as what I just mentioned. Maybe they're more concrete, more abstract. Maybe you've seen different things. Our culture has influenced us on what heaven and eternity are alike. There's no doubt about that. You know, if movies and pop culture have it right, then all dogs will go there. Um, heaven, it can wait, you know, if you've seen the Warren Beatty movie. And if Patrick Swayze fades away to that place after Demi Moore realizes that she can let him go, that's the ending to the movie Ghost, if you haven't seen it. If I just ruined it for you, sorry, I should have said spoiler alert. Here's the Patrick Swayze movie from like 30 years ago. But this week, uh, for the first time ever, we have a new source, a new place where we, we can ask about a description of heaven. I'm going two for two with sermon cliches here this week. I did some crowdsourcing, um, but but I also uh, I, I rarely bring up the, the news of the week in a sermon, just because I don't really have time to think about it. You know, normally I've got most of my sermon written by the time the news comes out. But this one was too good to, to pass up. You know, if you've been watching the news or social media, perhaps you heard about a new program that was released by a company called Open AI this week. AI stands for artificial intelligence. They've they've been working on a number of fascinating use cases for AI. But they released a program this week called ChatGPT. Maybe some of you have been experimenting this week with it. I see some nods around here. Um, This is a program where you can type in a prompt and a computer generated and, 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 and artificial intelligence will give you back a response by pulling from all the available information on the internet. And this isn't just like a Google search it's a program that can write an essay that almost sounds human. Um, you give it a, a prompt and it can write in, in such a way that it's not plagiarized and it puts together thoughts that are almost, if not entirely cohesive. Um, this is the, the kind of the pre-Terminator stuff, right? Like next thing you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's coming out, you know, say, I'll be back. But throughout the week, I've seen tons of people posting on, you know, or on social media about the things that they tried and the, and the prompts they put in and the essays they, they got back. And so I thought, you know what? What does a robot have to say about heaven? What what does artificial intelligence tell us might be uh, something we should consider about the eternity? And so here's the prompt I gave it. I said, give me a 500 word explanation of a Christian's understanding of heaven. And the response was actually kind of stunning. Here's a few of the sentences from the program generated essay. A Christian's understanding of heaven is that it is a place of eternal joy and happiness where believers will be reunited with their loved ones and live in the presence of God. And the Bible is in heaven is described as a place of unending light where there is no suffering, pain, or death. It is a place where God's people will enjoy perfect peace and contentment and where they will be able to fully and completely worship and serve God. Sounds pretty legit. It, it went on to say it's a place where believers can look forward to spending eternity in the presence of God, enjoying perfect joy, peace, and fellowship. Just for record, there were a number of other sentences in the whole essay that weren't great. Like, I just picked some of the best ones. I was totally, you know, cherry-picking there. But it was, it was pretty interesting how much it aligned with some of the things that our staff members said. Maybe some of the things you already thought in your own mind about what, what heaven and eternity are like. But as a preacher, crowdsourcing and artificial intelligence, they can only go so far in preparing for a sermon. You've heard me say this before, but to get up here on a Sunday morning, anybody who does it anywhere around the world and preach... The subject, the, 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 the chief resource, the most important thing is the Bible, for us to, to start and consider and end with the Bible. That's the difference between a, a speech and a sermon. If you get up and give a speech anywhere around the world, it can be about the news or an inspirational quote or, or a list that makes everything you know the best, like how to make yourself better. It, it can be any of those things. But a sermon, um, according to our Christian tradition, is a, a is based on the Bible. It's based on the text that we have before us. And so since robots and participants and crowd resources have never been there, I thought it was important that we make sure we consider what does our scripture tell us about heaven and eternity? And to ask, what does the Bible have to say about these things in our own lives, how we should consider them? And so let's first look at what we heard from Isaiah just just a moment ago, right? We discussed other promises from Isaiah But Isaiah tells us that in the Bible we see that eternity is promised by God. Heaven is a promise that God gives to all of humanity. It's a promise that says, if you come to know me by my name, if you experience the power of God in your life, then heaven is a promise for all of us. Isaiah said that one day the desert will be glad. The parched land will be glad because the wilderness will be restored. It will rejoice and blossom. The glory of Lebanon will be given to the splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. These are the promises in the languages of the Israelites, things they could understand. These are saying, hey, things are gonna be really, really good. The things that are bad are gonna be really good one day. But there's plenty of places around the Bible and throughout the New Testament, we have examples of people talking about heaven. In John 14, Jesus says, there is a place with many rooms in which he goes before us to prepare one for each of us. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, it's a place where we store up eternal treasures as opposed to the things that we hoard here on earth. At the end of Luke, we're told that Jesus went there when he ascended from earth. And in Luke 15, it says that the people there, the company of heaven, all that are in heaven now, Rejoice every time somebody comes to know Jesus. Throughout the gospels, Jesus gives dozens of examples about how the kingdom of heaven is already at hand, about how it's near and already here. We see glimpses of it. Our fancy theological way of talking about this is it's already, but not yet. It is here, yet not fulfilled. But for the purposes of this sermon, I want to turn our attention back to Mary. The third Sunday of Advent is traditionally the time, the, the time in our Advent calendar, the season where we light the pink candle and we remember the mother of Jesus. And in this passage from Luke chapter one, which is called the Magnificat, it's a song that she sings. And in this passage, Mary says that her soul magnifies the Lord and she gives thanks to God for how he was mindful of the humble state of his servant. She says that the mighty one has done great things for her. But then her attention shifts away from herself. In these next few lines, she says, his mercy extends to those who fear him. That he has performed mighty deeds with his arms by scattering those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but sent the rich away empty. And she concludes by singing about how God remembered Israel and was merciful to them. This whole song that Mary is singing here, the Magnificat, It's about the things that God will accomplish in Christ, both through his birth and time on earth, and also is looking forward to the time where God will fulfill all these things, at the end of the world and in eternity. Mary, she gets visited by an angel and given this amazing task, despite what she considers her lowly circumstances. Despite bringing a child into the world out of wedlock, which was definitely frowned upon in the first century in Israel, in the face of challenging odds, Mary was still saying that the mighty one had done great things for her. Isn't that kind of crazy? You think about how terrifying it might've been to be Mary in those circumstances, trying to convince Joseph, you know, like, hey, this was God, this is, you know, hey, please stay with me wondering what her family's gonna say, what her family's gonna do, the fact that they're not married yet. And in the cultural hierarchy, she, she is a lowly person. Her status is not nearly as high as others in the society. I mean, marries a young girl with no money, no land, no real responsibilities. According to her culture, she has little social worth outside of her ability to bear children. But despite her social status, God chooses her to bring the Messiah into the world. I think sometimes we trick ourselves to think like the most important people in the world are obviously the people that God favors the most. But Mary shows us that that's not true at all. God cares about those who society thinks nothing about. God cares about the lowly and the least. And in this passage, we see the, the encapsulation of the entire biblical witness about heaven. This song about what God can and will do coming from the mouth of somebody of least importance is a testament to what eternity looks like. And you hear it in her song, a reflection of how heaven is described throughout the Bible. And I think it's best summarized just a little bit later when Paul writes a letter to the Philippians. And he says this. Therefore, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess in heaven and on earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Glory to God the Father. As I was writing this sermon, I realized why I don't think about heaven a whole lot and what is unique about the times in my own personal life when I do, what is unique about the times in each of our lives when we can't help but dwell on what hereafter might be like. Every time anyone other than Jesus talks about heaven, and a lot of the times when Jesus does too, they do so because they are desperate for the hope eternity offers. The people who describe what life everlasting is like in the Bible are focused on the things that God will do for the people most in need. I mean, Those are the times we need to hear the promise of eternity, right? In our own lives. I remember any time I've lost a family member, I, I needed to know that God was caring for that person. And so I thought a lot about heaven. When we face and see and recognize the issues of injustice and evil, I need to know that there is something in the future that will be better for those that suffer. I need to know that heaven is a promise for everybody. That everybody has the option and the opportunity to know Jesus Christ and to experience the joy of life eternal. I mean, when I think about the pain and the violence and the heartbreak that happens each and every day around our world, the words of scripture about the time and the place where all of this will be eliminated is the only promise that can give us hope for that moment. That's what heaven and eternity is for us right now. It's a promise of hope. In the verses we read from Isaiah, he's saying that one day, one day, the blind will have their eyes opened. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The lame will leap like a deer. And those that can't speak will shout with joy. In that Psalm, blessed are those whose help is in God whose help comes from the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth and everything in them, and he remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed, and he gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free and gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, and the Lord reigns forever. When we come to the Bible to find out what eternity and heaven are like. There's not a lot of description about the accommodations or the aesthetics. The Bible doesn't tell us if there's gonna be Wi-Fi in heaven, if we're all gonna be driving real nice cars, or whether or not all of our mansions in the sky will be on the waterfront. But what it does say is that eternity, heaven is where God gets what God wants. And what God wants is for all to be made well. What God wants is for the lowly to be lifted up, for the broken to be healed, for those that mourn to be comforted. And as we wrap up today, th- there's a song I wanna share with you, and I'm gonna ask Wilson to come back on stage. And, and I wasn't originally planning on playing bass this morning, so it just happened that I was already up, you know, prepared for this. But, but I don't know a better way to describe heaven than this song called, You Hold Me Now. It's rare that I, I preach and play music, especially two different instruments. But I'm, Wilson was nice enough. He's like, there's a lot going on tomorrow. Are you sure? I was like, please. And so I invite you to just sit with us in this moment. Reflect on what heaven means and what, what the hope in your life, what heaven can bring you when we think about the promise of eternity.